You're listening to the Less Stress in Life podcast. Your hosts, Deb Timmerman and Barb Fletcher, are on a mission to help individuals and organizations manage stress and change. Together, they bring you real conversations, inspirational stories, and strategies to help move you from being stressed to feeling your best. Well, hello, everybody. Deb Timmerman here. Welcome to our series of 52 Practical Tools for Less Stress in Life. This is episode 32. I'm Barb Fletcher. Our goal is to give you tools and strategies to help you move from being stressed to feeling your best. Today, we're going to talk about a hot topic. It's the conversation about social media and stress. The average person now spends around six hours per day accessing digital media according to a research piece done by Kleiner Perkins back in 2018. So I bet the number is even higher today with over three hours of that time spent accessing digital media by your phone. And I know every week when I receive a notification on my phone about how much time I've spent on it, I cringe a little bit. I don't know about you. Yeah, me too. I've been paying a lot of attention to that number because I was feeling like social media was creating more angst in me than it was uh, connection. And so, yeah, I've been paying attention. So why do you think social media is taking up so much space and time in our society? Well, for sure, I think the last couple of years in the world that we've lived in of pandemic and all the other changes that are going on. I think we've craved connection. We wanted to be with other people, even though we couldn't maybe physically be close to them. I think sometimes we want information. Maybe we want to support somebody else who's living with a challenge. At the same time, it can be a distraction. You know, the evidence is suggesting that um, social media is creating space for people when they're bored. Um, And as a result, their productivity actually goes down because their brain is constantly churning through things. Some recent stats, 53% of people wake up at least once every night to check their phones. That's a scary scary thought because we know that sleep and we've talked about it here is one of the most important things we can do to prepare and regenerate for the following day i might be just a little bit guilty of that because my phone charges next to my bed face down but if i wake up during the night i will click on that to see what time it is because it's easier than rooting around for the clock so wonder if they count that in the statistics (laughs) Yeah, mine's in exactly the same place, charging next to the bed. And for now, I tap my watch to see what time it is. But I think that there are people who are actually waking up. And can you imagine that blue screen in the middle of the night and how that creates a new awakeness for you? Some of you know that I was a nurse manager for a long time and I was on call 24-7, 365. And that phone sat next to my bed with the notifications on. Now I have all notifications off. I have do not disturb. It's really there for emergencies and it's a convenient place to charge. But I can understand that because when I would get a ping or a call, I had a really hard time going back to sleep. 
and that your brain does start going to that problem-solving mode. Most of the time, the calls from work were, can I do this, or we have this situation, what do you think about this? And you know, the goal would be to get staff to use the policies they already have in their own decision-making capabilities. But once I was woken up, I had a really hard time turning my brain off and going back mm. to sleep. I recently did some work with a group of firefighters and they have a separate app that alerts the firefighters to when a call comes in. And many of those people were keeping those apps live even when they weren't at work. And so you can imagine the adrenaline rush that they were experiencing, the cortisol stress getting released in their body every time that ping went off. So these are some of the negative connotations of using social media at night. You touched on some of the positive things like connection and being together during the pandemic. Barb and I have never physically met each other in person. Everything that we've done has been via Zoom and we've been quasi working together now for what, four years? I mean, it's been a while. So it's interesting how this can be such a wonderful tool on one hand and yet on the other have such negative connotations. It really is. You know, I think for us, even um, we have family that live away and we connect with them virtually, probably at times more regularly than when we might if they live in the same city. So there are some really positives to connecting with people in social media. I know my mom, who's since passed, really enjoyed seeing images and photos and stories. Um, but there were times that things that came up would actually trouble her. I think in the last probably six months, it feels as if social media to me has become more of a source of angst than it has been of connection. And that's largely because everyone has an opinion these days about their beliefs and attitudes. And I totally get that. But what I see happening is that folks put their opinions out and then others engage. And then there's this uh, nastiness because you don't believe the way I do kind of thing going on in social media. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I find it troublesome to see so much divisive behavior in social media. And in fact, you know, when um, I see it, if I see it consistently, I probably unfollow or snooze individuals who are sharing that because I know that the larger story becomes one that becomes more troublesome for more people. And I really, I don't want to be part of that. So I, you know, I might unfollow them, but I think that, yes, you're right. It can be divisive and it can be very quickly mobilized. I think about a time when we didn't have social media and we had a daily newspaper and so it had to come early in the morning and, and the, the latest controversy was there for us to read about. And, and then they maybe had to write a letter to the editor, which 
who knows how long that would take to get there. And it might be another week before you actually jumped in on your opinion on something in particular. Today, you can throw something up and moments later, somebody else can jump in. For me, where the real opportunity lies is how do we support others if somebody's not doing well, somebody's not feeling great? I often don't respond to what they're saying, a private message them. And I often say, I have these tools. Is there anything I can do to help rather than becoming a very public display? Well, and I think one of the things that happens is that we don't realize when we're doing the scroll or we're reading that, that we're having an emotional reaction that triggers the same chemicals in our body as it does if we're trying to run from a burning building or we're under threat from a tiger chasing us. So those chemicals that adrenaline and cortisol are released in our body. And last week, Elle mentioned how long those chemicals stay in our body. If it's a woman, it's like 24 hours. So if we're getting hit after hit after hit because we're scrolling and engaging, that just keeps the stress hormones in our body going all the time. And there's no break from that. And that's what causes such wear down and wear and tear in our body. It makes us feel so drained. It's easy to get caught up in that unconscious scroll. Just look for a little while longer or we'll see something and they'll take us down a rabbit hole. And, you know, without tools, what happens is that cortisol does take over and we just, you know, we can be addicted to what somebody else is doing. We often hear about people who have FOMO, fear of missing out, or perhaps they see what appears to be a happy situation when if we were to peel back the curtains, it doesn't quite look as good as what we thought. Amen to that. So let's talk about some tips for managing social media. In a couple of weeks ago, we talked about social media and sleep, and we talked about turning off screen time. I try to do it two hours before I go to bed. How about you? For sure. I'm not as disciplined as I need to be. One of the things that I do turn off is I turn off the pings and the notifications um, because I'm like everybody else. Nothing like a good ping to wake me up and get me ready to, to engage in a conversation. I don't use pings at all anymore. I don't use any notifications. And that has to do with being interrupted during the day and having a hard time getting my focus back on. I use block scheduling and I turn those off during those times. Mm -hmm. um, they do show up on my scroll screen so I can quickly check if there's something that I need to respond to. But that's helped a lot because during the day, even when I was working, even with all the tools we teach, those pings would interrupt my thinking and then I'd have a hard time getting back on track. So I don't use them at all. I think the other thing is actually to have a goal of why are you engaging? Why are you spending time there? What What's the objective? Is it really to support others? Is it to interact? Um, are you just an observer? Are you posting to add value? So what knowing why you're doing it before you jump in really creates a um, an intention 
rather than picking up that phone and getting that dopamine hit because you're on it and you get bored. Part of the call to action this week is really paying attention to how many times you go to that phone because you're looking for something to stimulate rather than using that time to take a breath or get into that calm space before you get on there. We read a book in book club called Stolen Focus. And one of the things he talked about there was the number of pings or messages we receive from people. And what he related that to was if those people each came to your door and rang the doorbell and you had to get up and go and answer the door, would you be as inclined to do that? And how would you feel at the end of the day? Probably pretty tired if we look at how many messages we receive during the day. So I think, and which goes exactly to what you speak about, about over a long term, we actually lose our ability to focus. I have been trying to connect with my body as I, when I do get on and I scroll and notice what's happening inside. Um, it seems as if a lot of folks use Facebook to vent and to get commiseration for their crappy day. There, I'll just set it. <laughs> it's easy to get caught up in those emotions for those folks. And I try to recognize what I'm feeling in my body and where my brain is going before I even respond. And for the last six months or so, I've been engaging and responding less because I ask myself, is what I'm going to say going to add value or not add value? And then just thinking about, you know, maybe I will heart it or thumb it like I've seen it, but I don't engage because what I was noticing is I was getting super frustrated and starting to grit my teeth, clench my jaw because I was not paying attention to what I was feeling when I was doing that scroll. I even took a break on my personal page for like a month. I just was like, I'm done. Don't want to get caught up in that. And what I noticed is as I stopped commenting on those things, more positive things started naturally appearing on mm. my page. I, I think that's so important because I know that if somebody posts something that troubles me, I can, I like you can actually physically feel that and I'm, you know, creates worry or another emotion. And if I don't self-regulate, if I don't make that appropriate adjustment, I carry that along to whatever else might be happening during the day. And that's not really fair to any of the other experiences that I'm going to have. One of the things we talk about now is that we want to change the world. We want things to be better. And if we're constantly putting out negative things and judgmental things, that's the vibration we're sending out into the world. If we regulate and get right inside and we put that energy out, that's a whole different kind of energy and a way of showing up than it is if you're airing your dirty laundry on Facebook. I remember in the last couple of weeks chatting with someone and, you know, they had a really bad day and they shared a litany of troubles. And my response to it was, what you said, all of it is true. Now it's time to reset. Now it's time to self-regulate and find ways 
to move on because when we stay in that energy of all the difficulties, it grows. Yeah. And I'm okay with that kind of venting. Like I had a crappy day. They tell about it because really they're just looking for support. What I'm not okay with is degrading the service at the local diner. And I don't mm -hmm. like the political stuff. I feel like the way I vote is private and that's mine. And we live in a country that allows that. And, and that's where I like to keep it. That's just me. Mm -hmm. Other people like to use it for something else, but I don't engage in those posts for just that mm -hmm. reason, because it brings too much angst in me. So we've talked about individual situations. Is there something specific that an approach that you use for your business that's different than what um, you might have done in the past? Yeah, I do. Um, so when I was taking the break from personal social media, I did not take a break from business social media. And I found that Meta, Facebook, mm -hmm. now has a different view that you can use where you can just go to your business as your business person, not as your individual self. I used to access my business page through my individual page. Don't do that anymore. If I'm on for business, I go to the business page only. So that has helped my screen time come down immensely. I'm down to like three hours now a day, which I think is pretty good considering how much we post and comment and now mm -hmm. that that isn't the same for how much time I spend in front of a computer because that's where we do our education and our coaching and our communicating. And I'm also doing some work for a local organization 10 hours a week. That's almost all computer work, emailing and reaching out. And so it's a lot, but that three hours from six hours has made a huge difference in the amount of energy I have at the end of the day. And I'm not so, I, I Facebook fried is, is kind of the term I come mm. up for it. It's, it's like when you're overloading and taking all that in and you're not recharging, even if you're using recharge tools, it's still too much. Email is one of my uh, challenges and, and I try and keep the, the numbers to a, a limit. And, and it seems like if I take a pause, I end up with um, growth that feels like it's exponential. And so are there strategies and tips that you use to keep your email under control? Yeah, so this doesn't work for everybody. I actually do check my email very first thing in the morning. And the reason I do that is that I have an online scheduler and people will change their appointments and sometimes mm -hmm. it's something will get added. So, so that's the first thing I do. And then um, I clean up my inbox every morning from all the junk that comes in overnight. And I've started to unsubscribe to things. You can always go back there. And you, I mean, the internet gives us this wonderful ability to search. You don't necessarily need that in your inbox. And then I block schedule. I use block scheduling and I go in and I clean up at the end of the day as well. It's made it so much more manageable. I think at one time I had like 20,000 emails in my old Yahoo account. You know, you have to use an email now for everything. So everybody is sending you stuff. I typically do unsubscribe. And the other thing that I'm more mindful of now is I work at strange times. I'm an early bird. I will get up 4 or 5 a.m. and I might work for a couple of hours. 
and I don't send emails to someone else's inbox at that time. I schedule those for 8 a.m. or if they're Pacific time, it's noon my time uh, because I don't want to be adding to somebody else's email burden. So just being a little bit more aware of not cleaning stuff out if you don't need it quickly, unsubscribing. I find that I am, I like the coupons and those types of things for the things I purchase to come to text because they're so much easier and faster to clean out. You just, you know, a, a simple swipe. So those are the ways that I manage. I don't know. What do you do to clean yours out? Well, I'm envious of, of uh, how diligent you're, you are with email. I think I, I need to spend a couple of hours, you know, unsubscribing to just sit down and unsubscribe. And I, I think that would, would make me feel a lot more content than I am. Um, I, you know, I have mine come up, direct emails, and then I have some promotion and update, a couple of categories that Gmail has. And so I know that the ones that come into primary are probably the ones that need more attention, more immediate attention. The danger, of course, is there's always a few that slip into one of those other categories that I need to pay attention to as well. So I think unsubscribing so that we're just getting the things that really matter to us and probably being more conscious when we agree to share our email with somebody else um, is probably a, a helpful note as well. Since we've been planning this episode, I've been paying attention to what comes into my inbox. And there is somebody in our circle who sends an email every morning, every day. So has a couple of different projects going on and I love the work, but recently it's like, wow, do I really need an email from you every day? And if you're one of those folks who is sending email, I'll share this tip. Paces Connection is the place that we all go to for trauma-informed everything. And it is a huge database of material, colleagues that are networking, and they do a once a week summary, which is really awesome. It's called uh, a roundup. And all of the pertinent things from that week are all listed in one email. And those are awesome. I set aside 15 minutes for that email every week because what I get from that one email is so powerful. And then I can in that one little time block, sending it out. So if you're somebody who is marketing and doing a lot of emails, you know, typically if we're getting something every day, I'm probably not reading it. I'm probably deleting it because it's just too much. And even if I flag it and come back to it or want to come back to it, I don't get back to it. So I'm not reading it. So considering how to use some of these kinds of strategies so that you make it really effective for the person who's reading it, I think would be great. I agree. So the call to action for people would be to have a look at how you're spending your social media time. We get reports weekly. See, see where it is that you're spending your time and make a conscious choice. Is that really how you want to be, how you want to be focusing or is there another direction? And then identify what strategies you might need to put in place to move you away from perhaps what you're currently doing to where you'd like to go. Until next time, have a great week. Less stress in life is possible. If 
you're new to this kind of thinking and would like to explore what's possible for you, we'd love to connect. You can reach us through our website at lessstressinlife.com. That's lessstressinlife.com. 